Yeah, book it off. Hmm? It was, um, Michael recorded uh, okay. two days ago. All right, we'll talk after, okay? I'm, I'm just, okay. we're already starting. Okay. I'm just already starting, okay. All right, Bokitov. Um So today's daf is um, Yutet. We started the Mishnah. So this is interesting to talk about how these uh, Prakim transitioned because between, um, like, where we are. You know, it's, again, it's a Masechet that starts a little bit off-center and with this Takana B'fani Nechtav B'fani Nechtam. And, you know, and you think, okay, fine, we'll deal with it in the first parak, And then, of course, you have a whole mission at the beginning of the second parak, dealing with it as well and dealing with variations of it. But, you know, in a way, it also can be seen as a way of getting in, from, like, indirectly to, like, some of the major themes. Um, and one of the things that definitely emerged in the first parak was a series of parallels between a get and a, um, a get of an isha and a shashikhar of an evid. Um, and one of them was the fane nichtav. And somebody that underscores the um, significance that it's not just a star, um, it is, um, you you know, it is changing status, and maybe that points to the nichtav part about it, that there's, um, you know, the fact that you're testifying how it's written is that there's special criteria relating to the writing. Um, so that was, uh, you know, so we had an interesting, like, collection of different things in the first parak. Um, but then, um, but then the, you know, and then, as I said, the second parak train continued with the Bafanei nichtav, but now we're pulling in not things that are maybe rabbinic or special exception. Uh, well, actually, um, you know, um, uh, but th- we're using this let me just start that sentence again we're using this as a way to transition to um, central aspects about what Ksiva Seged is about so the last Mishnah um, spoke about Nichtav Biyom Benechtam Belayla which again was a nice transition from the funny Nichtav to funny Nichtam when the Ksiva and the Chasima were done at different times which really was a question about the nature of dating of a, of a get and is there a special requirement a special requirement to put dates in a get um, as opposed to a star which the Gemara dealt with why was Tiknuzman begitin but then also this particular psul of a get being muktam of a get being early so that was a, from a nichtav nechtam type of an idea that got us into a central get requirement so um, as opposed to the first question again which was sort of like this collection of different things erkos and star shichra and star matan and all these things here we're sort of focusing in on a get um, and now for this mission we focus in very specifically on the ksivas get and on the sort of the requirements relating to Ksivas Aget um, and starting us very concretely um, with the questions about the physical materials that are being used. So let's take a look at this Mishnah. Um, you can write with everything. Bidyo, um, with ink. Basam, Basikra, Sam and Sikra, which are, well, the Gemara will explain what they are, but other types of uh, permanent, um, uh, you know, um, inks, permanent things that will leave a permanent mark. Ubukumus, ubukankitam, all these various things. Ubukholdabashusha kayama. And now anything that lasts. Uh, but the side if you'll notice there's a different gifts of this Mishnah but though called the Vashubo shame anything that leaves a mark okay so which like is uh, not write it at all can I do that we'll discuss that yeah, we will discuss etching um, um, but that's not stated in the Mishnah I mean I, well we say shame is um, mm, yeah, but you kind of leaves a mark. I don't know. I'm not sure if in this context Roshem would necessarily tell you what the story would be. You could say a Roshem specifically is like some type of a physical, like, you know, I don't know. It's not clear to me from this Mishnah how he would say about carving. We'll see about that discussion in the Gemara. Um, you cannot use liquids um, or uh, or fruit juices. Which, therefore, the, the, the parallel would have 
being shokayama, because it's contrasting what does work to something that ain't no something that does not last. So Michael asks about something like pencil or whatever. This raises an interesting question about what mitzkayim means. Like, does it? How long does it have to last? Is it a specific amount of time? A week, a month, a year, etc. Is it lasting until it's erased? Let's say something lasts. You know, people sometimes have um, you know these old ksuvas where uh, where where the um, where the stuff has started to uh, you know just because of exposure and time and air, whatever that the uh, you know you can no longer see the signatures or whatever. I mean, you know, uh, my mother's ksuva, Shalom, You know, they had, we had said they had to get a replacement ksuva within because they had a very artistic ksuva, whatever, because it was the signatures had faded over time. So is there is there a particular or you know amount of time or does it mean you know that uh, these types of things of the juices or whatever as soon as they're put to paper like it's almost instantaneous you know that's not exactly clear what the sheer uh, is of that yes which might be the, the idea of the word roshame if you say does it leave a mark right so if I wrote something that like with fruit juice and like you know a minute later you couldn't see it you would say it wouldn't leave a mark it would be so ephemeral right that it did not even consider to have left any mark you know at all so are you putting the emphasis on that it has to last it has to be permanent or you just saying it can't be completely like disappear immediately it can't be ephemeral it can't not leave a mark yet the cantonum is an iron compound that turns red or actually more brown uh, from black and uh-huh. it becomes less well the color doesn't matter so we'll see about that uh-huh. but right so the issue about pencil should not be an issue at all because that's something that could be it's true it could be erased um, but it will be but, but the idea that it has to be able to be resist um, being erased is not mentioned at all, right? Here we're talking about things that are that naturally will not last. Um, now, um, that might be a different question about if it's written pencil, you could erase it and write in its place, and that has, might have to do with the question about Eidi Mesir and Eidi Chasima. Okay, so that's the physical object that you write with. Al Hakokos, and you can write on anything. Al Shapara, you can write on a leaf of a, of, of, a, of an uh, 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 you know of an olive tree, and I'll um, the al um, the al karen shapara and on the horn of a cow. But give her the cow. Don't cut off the horn. We'll see why in the Gemara. Um, on the arm of a slave. Yeah, except we'll see. That doesn't. That, that, that that's not true fully because kasevinosa means that it can't require another act to be done. If I wrote on a get and I let's say trimmed the uh, the edges off of the get or something like that, it would not be a problem. We'll see in the Gemara. On the hand of a slave, and then you have to give. Her the slave. Don't cut off the arm of the slave. Don't write write on something that is alive, um, and or neither on foods. And we'll see why in the Gemara, and we'll also see whether that's a deoraita or not. So here we're just focusing on the physical materials that a get is written with and on. So the on it doesn't have to last. So with it does. Well, again, the question is. Well, but okay, but that's a good point, and that raises the same question about. What does it mean last? Um, and I will last, you know, for a few days at least, right? So if the idea is, if the, if the whole problem is something that's completely ephemeral, then that would not be a problem here. Let's say it was written on some type of, I don't know, some type of a, uh, I'm trying to imagine what the case would be, some highly, very brittle and old paper that is falling apart as you're handling it, and like, you know, and in two minutes it will fall apart. Maybe that wouldn't be good, okay? It might not be long-lasting, but that, uh, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be long-lasting. Again, that's why Roshame, although 
though it's not the logical um, opposite of mitkayim, is a helpful word because it makes you think about the idea that it left a mark as opposed to something that ev- essentially evaporated as soon as you put it on paper. And you don't emphasize any idea of permanence. But I agree, Alishul Zayis is certainly underscoring that there's not an idea here of permanence. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. Dio, so what's ink? Duta, that's ink. Good. Sam, <laughs> what's Sam? Sama. Um, so again, I don't know what these, I mean, words are. I mean, I looked at the, at Sansino for Sam, I forget, I think it said paint. Rashi says, or cement, which I have no idea what that means. Anybody can jump in with the English translations uh, that they have. Stencil says arsenic. Arsenic? Yeah. Arsenic on cloth maybe leaves a mark or something? Yeah, it, it, in fact, uh, it, the, the name of the rose by Umberto Eco is about arsenic. I, as an ink? Used in writing, yes. Interesting. It poisons monks. Oh, interesting. Okay, like the lead, pe- like the lead, in, like the lead pencils. Like yes. lead in, like lead in uh, right. paint. Yeah. What? Okay, ink derived from a grass root. Okay, that um, sam sama sikra. What's the sikra? Amarabarabarachana sikrasa shema. It's sikrasa. Okay, which is basically we don't have another word for it, right? This is the whole problem about translation. Wasn't that a whole thing that Bertrand Russell and one of those ling- whatever linguistic philosophers anyway about like you know what does it mean to translate a word? It's just to put one word into, in other words that people are more familiar with people so if you can't translate what, how do you translate the word green right so anyway Sama what's Sama Sikrata anyway yeah we will see in the Gemara that it is red okay Arashi certainly assumes it's red so some type of red dye Kumus what's Kumus Kuma that's Kuma there you go okay what do you got there for Kuma gum Arabic alright Kankatom what's Kankatom Amarabba Babachan Amar Shmuel Kharsa Dushchasi which what yeah, at least it's of two words. So, um, so that's some type of a what is it like a, a coal, a charcoal? What does it say there? The uh, shoemakers black. Oh, shoemakers. All oh, right, that's ushkasi. Right, 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 right. So the blackening that shoemakers use, some type of dye used by shoemakers. Dye okay. says it's copper sulfate, but it's almost certainly iron sulfate. Iron sulfate. All right, interesting. Okay, so there you go. Behold, our shoemit kayim, anything that lasts. Okay, lasui my. What does that include? Lasui had the tani rebichi chanina kasfer b'meitziria. If you wrote it in, now this sounds like it is more invisible, and we'll deal with this in the Gemara with some type of a uh, of some type of a water that was uh, what Tarya means. So Rashi says Tarya Megishamim Lashon Mori Rainwater. I don't know how rainwater lasts at all. So Rashi says Tarya Mayim Shoshorin Bo Pri Shukein Afatim Gals Belaz. So some type of a of of a uh, of you know of, of of a fruit or some type of a plant was uh, was um, soaked in water and it gave off its a color so it's sort of like the way that ink is made well no meipelot is like fruit juices this is basically this is basically the making of a type of ink no it's not plant juice fruit juices means you squeeze the thing and get out its natural juices this means you take some type of a plant that is dye and has color and you soak it in water and you turn it into some type of an ink Um, so an afza is uh, what is how they translate afza there gallnut okay and that's something that they actually Gola juice, and we'll actually see that that's something that the uh, that they actually used to work the klapim uh, as well with this gola juice, and we'll see about that in the gemara. I'll read you a tosos. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, so the gemara says like this. Um, uh, okay, um, kasha. So that's uh, now. Tani Rebbechia, Rebbechia Tana Brayta. 
If you wrote it in lead or in black or in this shichor, which is this shoemaker's dye, um, then I think Rashi says shachor might mean coal. Hold on. Coals, right. Right. So if you wrote it in lead or coals or this shoemaker's dye, it's kasher. Okay. Why, I don't know why I don't need that as a chiddish. Those all seem pretty permanent to me. Okay. Now, itmar. We're talking about Hamavid yo agabe sikhor b'shabbat. Now, here we get to an interesting conceptual discussion. If somebody puts ink on top of the sikra, now remember, sikra is considered permanent. So you had something written in sikra. It was, however, as, um, as Charlie was telling us, it is something that basically is red or turns red. Is it, are you saying sikra was the one that turns red? Or the other? Okay, whatever. Rashi says sikra is a reddish type of a thing. It's not as clear, as distinct as the black, but it is permanent. So you now inked in something that was written in this. Okay, got it. You now inked in something that was this reddish, uh, say, this reddish and less distinct writing, and you ink it over with black. Okay, you know sometimes if you ever like play with your fonts on uh, or your colors in you know in Word or whatever, and you turn them into a different color, and then you try to print it out. There's a reason people use black because black on white is very clear and distinct or whatever, right? If you do it in a color, right, it's not as uh, on the screen maybe whatever, <laughs> but when you print it out. So anyway, you got something. It's a permanent writing, but you wanted to ink it over in black. Okay. So what happens? Um, um, so, so if you did it on Shabbat, they both say Chayev Shtayim. You you transgress too. How do you transgress too? Achas Mishum Kosev. You're writing because you're actually creating a more permanent writing. Although the letters were still on it, you've actually like you know made it black letters is is something better and new compared to the uh, red letters. So you've actually done a writing. And what you've done is you've erased now the the red ones underneath. Now that's fascinating because you would have thought that the definition of a race is to actually remove something <laughs> rather than to cover it up, right? Like this whole issue, by the way, you know about like lettering on cake, where uh, the minute going back to the Marami Rutenberg is like not to uh, not to eat it because it would be considered a form of mochek. Rabbi Akiva Eger says um, that it's like it's a it's a it's a crazy chumrah. But one of the questions is because it's like mitkalkel and the mitkaven and all these types of things. But one of the questions is is that and it's what, what's very frustrating is that sometimes I've seen people there's lettering on cake and they say oh wait wait we're not allowed to eat you know eat this on Shabbos what they do is they take a, a knife and they and they and they smear away really? the words yes <laughs> which is obviously much worse that's like classic mochek that's like yeah. removing the letters as opposed to eating you're just like destroying right so anyway so that's the case so the eating of it you're not like removing the letters you're just destroying them but in this case you're not like destroying you're sort of using the cloth underneath and it is true that a classic mochek is amenas lichtov to remove them in order to make the cloth underneath usable to write what you want to write on it. So therefore, if you want to think in terms of the cloth, you know, there is an element about mochek because what you are doing is you have basically done something to allow you to use that space underneath. Um, um, but it still is a bit of a chiddish. You're just covering up the letters. You're making them go away because something else is covering them up and so on. Anyway, that that's considered to be mochek. Let's say you did blue ink on top of black ink. Well, so we're going to get to something like that. Okay, so... Really? Then it wouldn't be a chiddush at all. Then, then you're obviously mochek. Rashi says, um, Rashi says, Vizem mochek hasachtonos sikra 
Vikasav Yonos Dio. I don't know. I don't see that. Do they say who do they say says that? All right, whatever. That's fine. That's not shot in the Gemara. But then it wouldn't be a Chiddush. Okay. So anyway, I mean the Chiddush is the first part, but it sounds like the point there. That's not shot at all. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think that's shot at all. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. Now. Let's say you did it ink on top of ink. Okay. Now you could say, well, what you're doing is you're adding a fresher ink. So therefore, that is an element of Valkose. You're making it last a little longer. It's fresher ink or something. Okay? Or Sikra Gabi Sikra, or Red on the Red. But you're exempt because you did not really do anything qualitatively. You didn't do different. Now, if it was fading, a type of interest question, let's say it was fading ink, and you re-inked something that was fading, I don't know, that might be different. Okay? Because, you know, maybe that would be that now it's not as clear and distinct. But you're talking about something that is clear and distinct, and all you did was you just added a fresh coat. Okay? So so then you didn't do anything of significance. Potter. Now, Sikra Agabidio, how about if it was the red on top of the black? So you actually are changing it. You but you're worse. changing it for worse. Okay? Yeah. So, so therefore, so right. So Sikra Agabidio, Amile Chayev, Amile Potter. So some say Chayev, some say Potter. Amile Chayev, some say Chayev, Mocheku. Why are you Chayev? Not for writing, but for erasing. Okay? You are making the letters underneath not visible. Now the problem you is, you're no, you, well, that's what well, I the next sentence. Amile Potter, some say you're exempt. Who, yes, you make, but you're only making things worse. Meaning, as opposed to a normal mochek, mochek, you make the letters worse, you make them go away, but you make the cloth better. You make, you make the cloth usable. Here, the cloth is no more usable because it's got red ink on top of it, right? It doesn't make the cloth underneath any more usable. So you made the letters worse, and you didn't make the cloth more usable. So you're not, so what's the position, the first position? And how could it be amanat lichtov, right? How could, you know, besides how, why is it not makalka? Maybe it's not makalka because you prefer red. I don't know. Right? Which is an interesting question. Question. Let's say for some reason you preferred red, then it should be chayv mishum koseis, you know. But how is it not? How is it mochek without making things worse? What did you do to be amanas lichtov? So if you take a look at Tosvos, Tosvos says the chashivay mochek amanas lichtov, mochek to the ban rosos. This mistama omed lachzor v'lichtov alav b'dio. Presumably you're going to put the do the real ink on top of it. Umekalto lo have. So now how did you help things? Umekalto amanas lichtov because eventually you're plan is to write. Your plan is eventually to write, but how did you help things? You didn't do it, and how is it not right? So we Tosos was first just technically satisfying it. You were mochik, you made the early letters go away, and your plan was to write. So it's almanas But how is it, how is the kose, how is the mochik serving the eventual ksiva? So that's the next point of Tosos. Okay. Somehow, if you have a of this red underlay and then on top of it you're going to do a b- another black layer that'll actually make the black layer you're going to add even better okay so Tosos imagines this I don't know if it's true but he's trying to explain this difficult position that you're Chayv Mishumochek and he says what you've done by adding the red is you've made the black letters go away and it's actually a g- serving a good function because if you add black on top of the red it'll even be a better it'll even be more distinct that's such a nice good answer that you say okay so what's the position 
situation that you're potter. If that's really true, <laughs> then you really should be high, right? I don't know. Anyway, maybe it's not enough of a mochet because you made the letter. I don't know. Anyway, that's their debate. Okay. So now the Gemara says like this. Um, now we have an interesting discussion about applying some of this to get. Let's say they don't know how to sign, and we discussed before making a stencil, and we're going to see that again. But before we get to that, how about using this? How about inking it in for them in this red ink and having them sign over their names in the black ink? Okay? Is it like they've added their names, or would you say their names are already there? Okay? So... So, Ksav Bahu. Ksav Elyon. Ksav Elyon Ksav. Oh, ain't Ksav. Is what they're adding considered writing or not considered writing? So he says, Amalei, ain't Ksav. It's not writing. Amalei, Valobin, Datenu, Rabbeinu. But didn't our master teach us Ksav Elyon Ksav Lin in Shabbos? That everybody says you're Chai for Shabbos if you add this extra letter, layer. So if you're Chai for Shabbos, it is considered a new thing that you've done. So you should be Chai here too. So, what? Just because we make a comparison and an analogy, do you think that we can actually rule that way? Now, this is very interesting. What does that mean? Does that, so, does that mean that any type, I mean, so much of halachic argument is done by making analogies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and what, what exactly was bothering him? So let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, it's about, I don't know, 25 lines from the bottom. I don't know where to tell you exactly. Anyway, he starts starts a line. Middle of the narrow lines. Rashi says, Lahatel, a feeling in You think we could be lenient to let this work forget? A feeling in Shabbos. In Bamasa, we had David Bisman Mikdash. If somebody would come at the time of the Bisman Mikdash and somebody had done this and had written the black on top of the red, I would not have relied on this to be included. When I say Chayev, it means it seems to me that it's Chayev, but I wouldn't actually have pask in that way. I'm not certain. So first of all, how are we How are we supposed to know that? You said Chayev. Right? I mean, so, right, what does that mean? Anytime somebody says Chayev, they, they really mean it just seems to me, or is he just telling us? No, normally we assume he really means it, but here he's telling us, you know what, I really wasn't so certain. If you weren't so certain, you should have said that you weren't so certain. But anyway, for Rashi, what he's really just saying is, you know what, I wasn't really sure about my psak. Okay, which is not so interesting, and it's a little disturbing. Um, yeah. The other way of understanding it is... Um, is so that he's basically saying, no, 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 by Shabbos, I'm sure of my sock. But I'm not sure that we can compare, this is the key about the word medami, which Rashi's explanation doesn't focus on. Just because, do you think, just because you can draw a line of comparison, that means you can apply what you said there to here? Maybe we can't apply that to here. Now, why not, is the question. Right? That would suggest, maybe there are different requirements by signing than there is by Shabbos. Okay? And we have to think about what those different are. Those are different areas of halacha and maybe they have different criteria. Now, we, we, we can explore what that might be, but I do want to say that it's a very interesting phrase. Now with Bari Line, you can look, research these things in 10 seconds. So <laughs> go ahead and search in the world of halachic literature. This phrase, is often used when a postdoc is like hesitant to, to rule in a particular area. Like he's trying to address a new case. He says, well, maybe you can make this following argument, da-da-da-da-da-da, but 
like I'm not really ready to go out on a limb and to say it this way just because I can make an argument doesn't mean I'm going to rule that way of course what sometimes that that happens you know like I think there's a discussion that what do you call it Rabbi Yehuda Herzl Hankin sometimes in his Chuvat and B'day Banim particularly sometimes around these women's issues he has a very interesting style what he does is he sort of makes a whole argument about why something should be allowed whatever that thing is whether it's I don't know wearing a talis uh, women saying Sheva Brachos uh, um, whatever the case might be not uh, you know not you know not, uh, not fully covering the hair whatever the case might be he makes this whole argument and then at the end at last one he says but we shouldn't actually you know we may shanabadamim natsamaset should we actually go ahead and do this just because we can make this argument and then like he pulls back after he lays out the evidence the issue I, I want to bring out about that is not just that interesting dynamic about what does it mean to lay out this very strong argument but then not be willing to take the step but that there he's making an argument from within that area of halakha itself like he discusses all the issues about hair covering and makes an argument but then isn't willing to go the final way or discusses the issues about making shalos on isha you know or whatever the issues might be and then isn't willing to go the final step that's not technically that's, that is actually an argument that's not medamim that's not an analogy that's actually analyzing the case itself what this Gemara thing is you can't, you're making an analogy from one area of halacha to another area from Hilchos Shabbos to Hilchos signing a star those might have different criteria okay and that's a different type of a point that doesn't mean general halachic like uh, you know uh, like, like, like uh, reservations about following your argument it means about making an analogy between two different areas of halacha yes Charlie two things uh, I actually know someone who completed Rav Hankin the uh, Nishma right and Rav Hankin refused to certify her because she didn't cover her hair. Okay, there you go. So I don't want to find. I don't want to start getting into politics. Yes. If you accomplish nothing by overwriting, yes. how could you possibly be hired for Shabbat? Because it, it was thinking... What? You have, in order to be hired for Shabbat, you have to have actually accomplished something. Right. Through your Avera. Right. But if you've accomplished nothing... No, you didn't accomplish it that it doesn't count as a good signature on a get. You've accomplished it that the that the that it's now darker. You mean maybe if you did it in the case of a get it would I don't know. But anyway, but you but we're not talking about signing your get by Shabbat. We're just talking about you inked over some uh, some 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 business documents or whatever, or some uh, some novel or something. Yeah. Very often it's like being the Tino Rabino. Usually, just like are arguing. It was early, earlier on in his career. He's a like very respectful. Leader. That's true. That's a good point. Um, now, anyway, now according um, to um yeah, I was just checking Tzvi Sriyad, who says basically the same thing as Rashi. So anyway, in terms of why Shabbos might be different, you know, you know, by Shabbos, you know, you might have to look. The question here is is about how how much you know by Shabbos by Shabbos the criteria of um um. You know, let me hold it off, actually. We're going to get to a Shabbos discussion on the next Amud, and I'm going to come back to that. For now, let's just point out that there's different... I mean, not the next Amud, the next Daf, tomorrow. For now, let's just point out that there's two different halachic areas, Hilchos Shabbos and Hilchos Get, and the definition of what constitutes, or Hilchos Starot, what constitutes Exiva for Shabbos might not be the same as what constitutes it. I guess the one thing I'll say at this stage, by the way of understanding why Shabbos could be more machmir, you know, why you could be more high for Shabbos and consider Exiva without being considered to the other, is that maybe by Shabbos the 
issue is, um, you know, Shabbos has an idea of avos and tolados, um, and um, there, which the concept sort of points to the idea that it's not necessarily always a narrowly defined action. Sometimes if you achieve the end result, it really doesn't matter how you get there, right? So whether you bake or you cook or you do whatever, you know, um, you know, there is an idea of shinoi, but we don't have like specific, the idea of avos and tolados and categories often tells us like anything that sort of gets, any type of an action that achieves a similar type of an end result, right? So you could therefore, another way of sort of emphasizing the end result aspect of Shabbos is the like meleches machsheves idea, which sometimes is used to emphasize the nature, the emphasis on the process, but sometimes is used to emphasize, well, as long as it's niskaima machshavto, you've accomplished something of significance, okay? So maybe a little bit, sometimes a little less downplaying of the specific definition of process, um, and you know, any type of process that achieves, you know, some, you know, that gets this like a thing planted in the ground or gets a tree to grow or gets a plant, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Is it planting? Is it, is it, is it grafting? Is it, you know, all these types of things. So anyway, there, if you emphasize the result, the night over the process, so you could sort of say, okay, in one way, it, it, if I write something on what's already written, right, is that really, you know, an act of writing? It was like, you know, but if I actually change the end result, I accomplish something that now I have like black ink instead of red ink there, right? I've somehow done something, you know, I've created, you know, the, the, uh, there actually is a different object that has resulted from what I've done. So you could sort of could say, I produced actually a chestus ksav, maybe it wasn't so much of a, like of a masik siva. And maybe by, by the chasimah sa'edim, you know, you could say that for them actually to sign, right, there has to actually be considered like you're signing on something that's blank. Like for it to be considered a an, an classic act of like writing, like when, if I fill in something that's already read, would you say that I'm, I'm writing these letters or you would say like I'm inking them in, right? So, you know, normal writing might require from like something that isn't there at all, right? Whereas here, you know, here you could sort of say it's less of an act of writing, but the end result results in still something of substance. So that's one way of thinking about it, that maybe this type of reality of writing on type of writing is not considered a masik siva, but it does result in some new ksav, okay? And maybe that's the difference of Shabbos and signing, yeah. Or not for the sense what I would have said is, what is the point anyway? Right, you could have said you needed handwriting, yeah, but, but I'm specifically not saying that because we know the case right. of the stencil. So that's not but the that, case. Then that'll be my question over here. How is this, a, you, know, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, because that's the difference. Because a stencil, you're writing on blank paper. But writing on top of writing is so it no, doesn't no, have the to... Thing is the point is to say, oh, this is Robert Lindsay's signature. But that else actually wrote it. But that's not the point. How do they know? That's not the point. How do they know it's you? I don't know. So that's a good point. Right? You know, you do... Re- so Michael raises a good question, though. How do you handle the issue about keen stars when you have signatures that are not recognizable? And you'd probably have to do keen on the spot, okay? But that's a separate issue, okay? No, uh, right, so that might be you have to do Kim on the spot, but clearly you see signatures don't have to be recognizable, okay, at least be the evidence. All right, but anyway, but that is, but it is worth contrasting this, and we'll see in a minute, to the stencil case. The stencil case, you don't have your own handwriting, but you actually are writing on something blank. Here you're writing on something that actually pre-exists, okay? And the definition of what we require by Shabbat, that might be enough to be chayev, but not enough in this case. We'll see more about that tomorrow. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, um, so the Gemara says, um, it was taught now here we get to this case they don't know how to sign which is why we were having the previous discussion before you tear for them out a stencil and they fill up the stencil with ink okay that's the way Tosus explains it certainly seems like Pshat Rashi says it means that you sort of make an indentation on the cloth 
and you fill the indentation with ink. V'shmuel Amar Be'ever. No, actually you pre-write it with some type of lead and you write over it, which is sort of like we were saying before about the red, but lead would seem to be even worse. So the says, Be'ever Do you think that that could be good to first write that le- level and have them write over it? If you write with lead, it's kosher. So you see that it's considered to be ksav. So then you write over it. So how could that be a new writing? Um, so And we said before that you can't even write over the red, or at least we're not prepared to say that that's good by the red. So the Mara says, low kasher, it's not difficult. One thing is you write with the actual lead, and the other is with some, like, a, le- a, 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 a ink with liquid that's been turned black through lead. Now, I would have thought that the lead is more, leaves more of a permanent mark than a liquid. Liquid makes me always think it's more transitory. Rashi says the opposite. If you think about the, li- the liquid, that it becomes a type of an ink that will actually absorb into the cloth and be more permanent. If you think about, like, think about a pencil. Think about the difference. Actually, that's a perfect example between a pencil and a pen. Right? Why is a pencil more, less permanent? Because it's not a liquid. It doesn't get absorbed in. It essentially remains on the surface and therefore can be erased. Whereas ink actually is a liquid and gets absorbed in. So if the ink actually, it's not watery. It actually is a, you know, co- deeply colored ink. It'll actually be more permanent. Okay? So he actually says you can write with this pencil, essentially, and then ink on top of it. Now, never Nevertheless, it's still a big chiddish because here it gets back to the issue before about what mitzkayin means. If aver is considered to be naksav because it's erasable, okay, or because somehow, but it's still for the time being, it's definitely roshem. It definitely doesn't go away right away, right? So the fact that the Gemara thinks that that could be considered a legitimate signature if you wrote on top of a lead writing, um, and it presumably needs that what's, hap- what's underneath was not yet considered to be ksav, it's a pretty big chiddish that right with lead essentially I think it means like a pencil would not be considered to be ksav okay and that's what Rashi says if you look at Rashi he says um, um, presumably that is ksav. Okay, so that would be a big new definition that what the, that if it's erasable essentially, or even if it does make a mark, if it's not, you know, there is a real requirement of permanence against what we were saying in the Mishnah. Yeah, well, that's the yeah. Apparently, you have to say that there's some difference, or I don't know. I don't know. I mean, leaves can last. People preserve leaves in their uh, picture albums. I don't know. I know, I know. But I don't, and maybe there's a difference between the ink and the, I don't know. But I'm just saying, yes, that's why I'm pointing it out, that this is interesting. This points to the issue about the permanence of, that that even if the object is somewhat, even if the ink is um, not completely transitory. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um... Okay, um, uh, okay. No, no, no. When we said that they would write it, you write something underneath and they write on top of it, that would be this May Milim. Rashi says the May Milim is the, um, Rashi says, uh, which actually sounds like ink, um, these, uh, ground up gall nuts. Um, but, but apparently that was something that was considered to be not so permanent, and therefore if you write on top of it, you're okay. So the Gemara says, so now the Gemara will help clarify that that point if you wrote it with his gall nut it's kosher so how could you say which means it's a ksav so how could you say that they could write underneath so here the Gemara is assuming notice before it said we can't be medame to Shabbos but what it is assuming that they could be medame is what constitutes a ksav forget if it's not a ksav forget it does work to be the underlying layer on top, on top of which the Adem write that's also being medame how do you know the definition of a ksav forget automatically 
translates into whether the Aiden can write on top of it or whatever. That they're willing to assume. Okay? So they say, one minute, if this Afasim Countess Ksav forget, then if the Aiden can't write on top of it. That's not considered a Chasima. So the Gemara says, Lo Kasha. Had Afit, Had Lo Afit. It depends whether the cloth was worked with this gallnut juice or not, and that's what Tosus discusses it well. If the cloth was worked with the gallnut juice, and then they write on top of it with a gallnut mixture, it won't be visible. It won't really leave a distinct mark. Because it won't leave a distinct mark. And then it's just like all the other cases in the Mishnah, something that evaporates. So here it wouldn't evaporate on a different piece of paper. On a different piece of paper, it would leave a permanent mark. But on a cloth that's been worked with this, that's been treated with this, it's not going to be distinct. So basically what the Gemara says is there could be a case for Shabbos of inking on top where you're chayev, but we're not prepared to say that works for Adim, so we're going to assume, and maybe there are different criteria, so we're going to assume for the signing of Adim, the thing underneath can't constitute ksav, and with the definition about that is going to be what constitutes ksav for the writing of a get, okay? And therefore, the cases where it would be allowed is if the stuff underneath is not permanent, or in this case doesn't leave a, is not nikar, doesn't leave a roshen, because of the cloth that it's being written on. But the big chiddish about this is the case of the azer, the lead. That is, when you write something on lead, which is essentially, doesn't get absorbed in, essentially is like pencil, right? The chiddish is that that sounds like that actually doesn't constitute saf, which is a big chiddish, because then the question comes, how permanent does something have to be, and what's the definition of being permanent? So yes. I wrote on black... If I wrote with black ink on black paper, yes. the would be good. Correct. But if they did it on Shabbat, that'd be Ketiva or not? No. Neither, either way. Yeah, there are cases, obviously, which cut across the board. Okay, so Gemara says like this. Uh, yes. No. Yeah, well, that's exactly the point. Okay, let's move to Kavra. We have 15 minutes, so let's focus. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Rav Papa Amar. Okay, Baruch, no, here's what he, how he would handle it if Aiden needed to be, you know, to, to, to sign and they couldn't sign their names, is he would use spit. Okay, V'chein Orilei Rav Papa L'Papa Torah, this is what Rav Papa showed to this other guy, to, not the other guy, to this guy, whose name was Papa, who has worked with uh, Oxen, or whatever, Oxeller. Um, Baruch, he, he would, you know, he, he showed him to do, like, you know, use your spit and then have the Adam right on top of the spit. Okay, the honey will be getting. Now, when do we allow something like this? So, even, so, so this is a special exception because we're allowing Adam who don't know how to sign their names. And as was pointed out, it's, uh, it's a problem because you can't recognize their signatures. Okay? So, when do we allow something like this? And, and even what we're allowing is when the bottom thing is not real ksav. When do we allow something like this? We allow it with Gitin. Although, Bishtaros low, not Bishtaros. Okay, because by Gitin, there's an Aguna problem. As we'll see in a minute, okay. As Rashi says, "Begitin mishumiguna kilokamad lo mishkachina sadi bikiim betolkach yifarish zeliyamo yamutzi tizakik liyibum liyabam." Okay, so therefore, by an aguna, right? We have like, well, what's the aguna? She won't get this, so he won't divorce her. But what do you mean? Sometimes he needs to divorce her, and sometimes the absence of divorcing when a divorce is necessary is considered an aguna. Hello, which is exactly our aguna cases, okay? But uh, some, but anyway, and the case would be that he's going to be going away far away, right? And he. Uh, uh, and therefore, and uh, and he might not come back, and she'll never know if he's alive or dead, and she'll be in a guna her whole life. Or even just a yibum case is considered mishum guna. He'll die, and then the uh, brother-in-law, it'll be impossible to find the brother-in-law and to get him to come do the yibum, etc. So all of those are cases where it's deemed that a get is necessary, and the um, or, and the absence of providing one is considered an guna case. Okay, now, um, but that's not by shtaros, um, uh, because okay, you can't lend the guy a thousand dollars till you find kosher witnesses find the kosher witnesses alright I mean not kosher but witnesses that know how to sign their name 
There's a guy who actually was a different type of a star, and he helped the witnesses sign their name. He used uh, spit or whatever. The Nagde Ravkana. Ravkana gave him lashes. Okay, he thought that that was Malgen. You could understand that also because, as Michael was saying, the whole idea of Kiyom, of validating signatures, right, in monetary matters, right, you know, if you allowed this type of a thing of signatures that were not identifiable, you could rob somebody blind, right? You just sign your own uh, thing and you just say, well, I know you can't, I recognize those signatures. They're, they look like block letters because we used the stencils because it was whatever. So you could write up your own staros with that if you did it with other things, right? By get, which is about, not about, uh, you know, it's just sort of the first t- Ramban that I mentioned to you on the Masechet says, it's not about like uh, two sides in a debate and it's about an issue about, you know, taking prop. it's not about taking property away from somebody. It's about an issue of personal status. Um, so yeah, I mean, is there a theoretical problem? A woman could write her own get and say yes, but again, it's seen as maybe less of an issue. It's much more focused on personal status. So that's another reason. It's the flip side of Mishu Maguna. It's the, it's the well, what would be the societal consequences of allowing something like this, Bishar Shtaras. Okay, Tani Kavase Darav, we taught like Rav. Eidim Shein Yodim Laktam, if witnesses don't know how to sign. Mikarim Laniyar Halak, you cut out a stencil. Umimalim as a crime deal when you fill it with ink. Amar Rebbe Shimon Gamliel, the men's Ramun Bikiti Noshim, that's true by Gitim, for what for, for, for women. Avob Shikhur Avadim, now here's a case of Avadim, which is, a, which is the intersection of mumminess and personal status, okay? Imagine that an Eved who's literate, right, he can just write, you know, just, oh, well, there were stenciled signatures on my star Shechor, okay? Bashar Kol HaShtaros, and all other documents, in Yodim Likos Velachtem Chosmin, if they know how to read it and sign it, they can be Mavin Chosmin, and if not, they can't. So it's only something that we allow by Gitin. So that statement, we're going to get to it. I mean, that statement that we allowed by Gitin, is that, that statement that we allowed only by Gitin was Consistent with Rabbi Shimon ben Amliel. So now the Gemara says like this: Chsim Akriya Mandachashma. Who mentioned the idea of reading? What's uh, how does that play in? It's missing words in here. So I have to read it. Edim Shein Yodim Likros. If they don't know how to read, currently Sam Bechosman, then you can actually read it for them and tell them what's written in it. Bishein Yodim Lachtom. If they don't know how to sign, you can ha- you can give them a stencil so they can complete completely illiterate. You tell them what's written, you give them a stencil, and they sign it, and all of that is kasher. Now that seems like a pretty big leniency. They don't know. They don't know what's in it, and you can't even recognize. No, the Tanakhama says by everything. Then Amar Shimon ben Gamliel and Shimon Gamliel says, No, I agree with you. We allow those two things by Gittin. But Nedra Mamor and Begidei Nashim. I was Shikhor Avodim Shar Kol Shars and Yodim Likos Lachtam Chosim Vim Lav Ein Chosim. And all of that makes an enormous amount of sense, right? Because imagine how you could trick witnesses into signing something by telling them what's written and so on. So by something that's about a Toin Vanita, like you know, you know, uh, you know, take it, and it's a Dine Mominus type of a thing, you know, the societal consequences is obviously, we have, we cannot allow that type of stuff. Kite Nashim, on the other hand, the societal consequences are seen as, you know, less severe that it will be abused and, um, and you also have the Aguna situation, we're going to allow that. So, that's Rabbi Shum Gamliel split. So, Amar Rabbi Lezer, my time at Rabbi Shum Gamliel, what's the reason? Shemro Yubinosh Yisrael Agunot, that you not leave them as Agunot. Okay, emphasizing what makes Gitin special, you could also emphasize what also makes the Shar Shtaros so consequential. Now, I'm a Rava, says Rava. We rule like Rav Shimon All right, now which is good. I mean, well, I don't know. Good. It makes sense. Okay, it's good that we keep it by Gitin, and it makes sense that we don't aren't so lenient by Shar Shtaros. 
So the Gemara says, Virav, Gamda Mishmed Rav Amar, Ainalacha. We don't really like him. Presumably it works by all Shkaros to do this type of stuff. So the Gemara says, Rabbanan, you want to go like the rabbis? Vahu David Uvta Bishar Shars Vinagdi Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana gave lashes to a guy that, you know, did the stuff with Shar Shkaros. So it seems pretty clear. We want to assume that Rav Gamda isn't going against Rav Kahana, especially if Rav Kahana was so drastic to give lashes to somebody who did this. He obviously felt that this was an institution that needed to be protected. Right? I mean, like you said, like, what? It wasn't even a hate. Like, what? It wasn't like he ate chalev or something. It wasn't like he did. Right? It was, it was, uh, but maybe Rav Kahana felt like, no, this will be disastrous to the institution of Sharos if we let this thing happen. So how could Rav Gamda say that we actually say it's allowed? So the Gemara says, um, so Targama Akriya. No, no, no. When he said that we allow it by Sharos, it was not that we allow signing something if you don't know how to sign. It was that we allow you to have somebody else read it for you. Now that's surprising because if I had to say which one would I rather allow by Sharos, well, I don't know. On the one hand, I could say I could always just tell the Adam that something is written and get them to sign if you let me read it. I could dupe them into it. Okay, wait, wait, On the wait. other hand, if, you, if you're talking about a guy that's being dishonest, then you're leaving up a, a much bigger, um, 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 you know, uh, um, uh, opportunity if you're saying that the signatures don't have to be recognizable. You can use stencils. Because then everybody could just print their own shtaros and use stencils and say the witnesses didn't know. Here are the signatures. They look, why do they look like block letters? Yeah, because the guys didn't know how to sign their names. Right? So in terms of the cause, the, the, the potential abuse not having to have recognizable signatures is a much larger potential abuse than allowing me to read it and, and have them trust me that I'm reading it. So that's what he says. He says, what I will allow by Shashkaros, I agree with you. We cannot allow unrecognizable signatures, block letter signatures. What we can allow by Shashkaros is to have somebody else read it to the Aiden. Now, how are we going to get to know that that reading was accurate? So that's now what the Gemara is going to turn to. Is like, how can, we, you know, how can we trust what's being read? So let's take a look. Um uh so the word says like this. Um um, okay. Uh, Rav Yehuda, like, uh, you know, sort of, uh, discomforted himself in order to read it. Maybe his eyes were going bad and they didn't have glasses. So, but he would squint in order to read it before he would sign any document. He wanted to read it himself. Okay. So he's like saying, like, maybe he's passing the Rav that you can't have anybody read it. Okay. So, you don't need, you can have other people read it. Rebbe Lezer, who was the, considered the master of Israel because he was so uh, authoritative particularly in areas of Ksamim discusses the Gemara and so on and maybe also specifically related to the fact that he had good eyesight there because that was about looking at colors about stains and whatever and nevertheless um, he had other people read the document for him and then he would sign it and Rav Nachman would have the, the, um, the scribes of the Danyanim read the document before him and he would sign it but then the Gemara pulls back a little bit like why okay so this sounds like we're going like Rav Gamda like we actually allow by, we, the thing that we allow only by Gitin is if you don't have a recognizable signature but when it comes to having that we are only allowed by Gitin because it's such a potential for abuse but when it talks about having other 
people read it for you, that will allow by Sarshtaros. But now the Gemara is pulling so back. Are more lenient by Sarshtaros? No, it will also allow by Sarshtaros. By get, we allow both somebody to read and a non-recognizable signature. But again, but by Reb Timlam Leel would allow neither by Sarshtaros. We are saying by Sarshtaros we won't allow a, a, you to like sign if you don't know how to sign. You have to sign with your own handwriting. But what we will allow is somebody else to read it for you. So now after these stories, even if somebody who knows how to read, right? The Gemara, that's why the Gemara gave these examples, you know? But now the Gemara pulls back a little bit because that also, that, oh, right, because that also has a potential for abuse. So now the Gemara is going to pull back. The only thing would be Rav Nachman to combine with these scribes of the Dayanim, the Islu Einsta, that they're afraid of him and they wouldn't lie. Ava Rav Nachman Vesafi Yechmini, but Rav Nachman and other, um, you know, sort of scribes, Safi Daini, or the scribes of the, of the, of the, of the judges, the Inir Shachrini, and others, lo. So it's pretty amazing that the scribes of the judges would misrepresent the star to other people. But anyway, here the Gemara is pulling back. So the Gemara basically says, you know, by other starot, it's okay to have somebody else read, but then all of a sudden limits it to cases where you're, like, pretty darn confident that the person is afraid of lying. Now you could have, what was the Gemara thinking before it made this qualification, right? Like the case about, um, uh, uh, the case where, where, where uh, you know, what was the case that started before about, about uh, Rav Yehuda who was squinting and Ula said you don't have to, right? So why was that the, uh, you know, why was that a similar case? Like, like how, could, how, could, how could he have been certain, uh, I'm sorry, who again was squinting? Rav Yehuda. How could Rav Yehuda have been certain that they were reading it accurately before him, right? So I don't know, maybe Ula said, hey, you know, Rav Yehuda, I'll read it for you. You can trust me. Okay, but now the Gemara is like pulling back and limiting it to cases where the person who's reading, you can know you can trust them. Now, before it made that qualification, presumably there would be a reason why you might be able to say that. Why might you be able to say that it's okay to have somebody read a document that you didn't read and you sign it, you know, and that even if you can, even if it's not somebody that you know would be afraid to lie to you and you, and so on. Because you could have at least said... If you can read, you can check it. All. Well, it's Milsa Davida Ligluye, meaning if it's right there, the document itself, you could say, well, somebody else won't lie, I can always take this document and show it to somebody else, right, so, and, you know, and so on. But nevertheless, the Gemara is saying, it thinks still about the abuse. It's me and you in this room, I'm telling you what it says. Yeah, it says that Michael borrowed $10,000 from me, go, or whatever. And I don't say that. It says, I'm borrowing $10,000 from Michael. Go ahead, you see it says Michael's name, you see it says my name, you see it says 10000 that's what it says. Go ahead and sign it. Of course, the, I'm having you say that he borrowed some money from me, not that I'm borrowing the money from him. Okay? So, you, even in theory, you could take it and show it to somebody else to read it. You're not going to. You're going to sign it. Right? So, it is this serious potential of abuse. So, in the Gemara, and the Gemara pulls it back and limits it to cases where you really can trust the person. Okay? So, now the Gemara says like this. Um, um, now when Rav Papa had a per- document written in Persian come in front of him the Avdi Be'er Ka'ot that was done in the Er Ka'ot Shalkutim of the Samaritans or Shalgoyim it probably is um, anyway yeah Shalgoyim so basically if you remember an early Mishnah was about documents that were done in the non-Jewish courts which basically were valid because fundamentally they just proved that a transaction took place they're not about personal status 
courts are just about evidence, and we assume that these courts are actually honest courts, and this document is, accu- is, is good evidence, even if it doesn't work as a star, it's good evidence that the transaction took place. So, so the fact that it was kosher, that was an early Mishnah. But how did he know what was written in it? He didn't know the language. Mm-hmm. So, he would have two non-Jews read it, not in each other's presence. Okay, it's sort of like, you know, and, and compare, translate this document for me, and then compare their translations. And if they were the same translation, and they weren't in each other's presence, he knew that, you know, what else could it be except that's what it was saying. Oh, now, if they didn't, if they were just talking to their innocence, which means, like, now, what is Mesiyah Why do you want a translation? Other than you want a translation. What does it mean? Well, we're just schmoozing. No, but what it probably means is, is that you, they, they, he took, like, random non-Jews off the street, people who did not know the particulars of the case. So, if they weren't, what else, to, you know, how, there would be no other way the two random translations would match if they were people that were uninvolved in the case. Okay, and once he figured out what it meant, he would use it to collect even from property that had a lien on it. He would so much trust it as a legitimate translation and as a legitimate star. And the idea of Mishabdim is also, if I borrow money from Michael, Michael has a lien on my property. That lien, the reason that lien occurs only by a star is because the star becomes a matter of record and other people know about it and therefore the buyers of people who buy my property are aware of the lien, right? You wouldn't, that, so you need there to be a star so that they can be aware of that lien. So what he was saying was, even if it was a Persian star, a non-Jewish star, and so on, if it was a matter of record, which is interesting, that people could find out about by getting it translated, even though it was in a foreign language, right? Nevertheless, that was enough that he said it was not only legitimate, but that actually the liens would be in effect. Okay, let me just add, read, I know we're a little over, let me just read one other sentence. This is what Amemar said. High star parsa'a, this Persian star, which is basically, Rashi says this is now, we're no longer doing, dealing with Erka'ot. It's not coming from the non-Jewish courts. It was written by Jews, but it was written in Persian. Okay? The Chasmiel Eisad Yisrael has Jewish signatures. So it's, a, it's kosher, except that it's written in a foreign language. It's a good star and you collect from liens. The says, one minute. You don't, but but how, how could we do it? We don't know what the language, we, we can't read that language. We're talking about people who can read it, or like the case like before, that you get it read in a way that you can trust. Obviously, the common denominator here is, you're not reading it yourself, you're not the, the witness here, here you're the dying. Okay, but you're not reading it yourself, but you're having it read for you in a way that you can trust. Okay? It has to be writing that can't be forged. Apparently, they would, if it's done by you know, people who don't know what they're doing, they would often use an ink that you could erase and write over it and change the particulars from 10,000 to 100,000. Okay? So, that's a problem here. So, it says, the leka, but that fits it. No. The cloth was worked with this gall nuts, and therefore, it cannot be erased. So, even though it was done by these less, you know, these people that did it in Persian, that doesn't mean they didn't follow the right halachot. Okay? So, the Gemara says, You have to go ahead and repeat the idea of the star in the last line, mentioned at the end of the star, the basic essence of the star. Again, they, and you don't have it. It was assuming that these documents that were done not through the Jewish courts would not have these criteria satisfied, even if they were done by Jews. And the Gemara says, You did it! 
it. You repeated the last line. So basically, you're talking about a star that's a hundred percent like a Jewish star. It's written by Jews, a hundred percent like halacha. The only difference is it's written in Persian. So the Gemara says, So what are you telling me? The Kolosh and Kasher that you can write in other languages? Kanina get Savo Ivrit. Even a get that's written in Hebrew, made of Yavanit and signed in Greek, um, or Yavanit made of Ivrit or Greek and signed in Hebrew. Kasher. It's Kasher. So the Gemara no. Imiahi Havi Amin. If it was just for that, I would have said Hanimili Begitin. That's by a get. Okay, we're more. We give more latitude. Avobashar Shkaros Lo Kamash Malon, but not by other Shkaros. Okay, and by other Shkaros, I would have said maybe again, like we've seen, we're more limited. Kamash Malon that it's okay if it's written in another language. So basically, what we said here is is that by Gitin we allow others to read it and even to sign something that's not a recognizable signature. By Shkaros we do not allow others to sign a signature if they cannot if they cannot sign their own signature because obviously that's enormous abuse do we allow others to read it by other Shkarot first the Gemara says yes okay but then it pulls back a bit and we, that says the only going to allow that also is given to abuse by other Shkarot right you could rob somebody blind if you get some trusting witnesses so we only allow it in cases where the person really very limited circumstances where the reading is done in a way where you're absolutely certain that you're getting an accurate report about what's written in the star okay 